Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 48. I'm Kip Clark, and today with me in the studio, we have another guest, Edgar Arceo. Hi, thanks for having me. Happy to have you on. So today we're going to be talking about body language and some of the theories and ideas surrounding it. I'm curious to know why you wanted to discuss this topic. I think it's a very relevant topic because we're constantly interacting with people. It's important to be attuned to what those interactions are saying, what we're exhibiting. So in a few of the articles we read, they touch on body language for successful people and what successful people do with their bodies to convey certain messages and certain stances of confidence or power. Did any of those stand out to you as particularly interesting or maybe even incorrect suggestions? Yeah, those articles are interesting, especially the success ones, because I think it focused on success as a CEO, as a business person. But I would extend it. I think that it's very relevant to being successful in your everyday relationships in terms of communicating effectively, at least. I read some of these things in intro psychology, but it was refreshing to revisit these and see their application again. Do you think that some of these are more challenging than others to exhibit every day? I think there was a list of maybe 10 or 12 in one of the articles that mm-hmm. said good posture, this and that, make eye contact, etc. Do you think there are some that we tend to ignore or that sort of fall out of our consciousness because we're paying attention to other things? I like the way you were that falling out of consciousness, which we'll revisit in a bit. But some of them that they mentioned and listed are fairly easy. I'd say not looking at the clock when you're talking to someone is a relatively easy one to manage, just does require um, discipline and you're being respectful ultimately. But some a little more challenging in terms of eye contact, at least. Sometimes it's easier to make eye contact when you're receiving information, when you're listening. But when you're delivering a message, when you're telling someone something, it can be a little bit more difficult. So I thought they had a good advice in terms of what to do when that's when you're encountering that situation. I think they mentioned instead of looking down, which exhibits a lack of confidence, to look to the sides. And if you do manage to make eye contact, not to maintain it too intensely. And there's a a fine, fine balance that you have to work with. And I know that in one of the articles, it mentions the brain being hardwired to associate more space taken up by a body or an entity as a sign of power, that human beings are inherently intimidated by or aware of larger things. That's why, similarly, we're told to make a big posture if we come in contact with a bear or another scary animal, that they will also see that we're large and therefore might be scared away. Do you think that a lot of body language theories and ideas come from evolutionary things? And do you think that as a result, there's some legitimacy or historical connection to why we behave the way we do? So I was interested to read that they claimed, at least, that there are neurological reactions going on when we do exhibit these powerful body positions, such as a CEO sitting back with his feet on the desk and his hands on his head, behind his head, or someone leaning over a desk and kind of hunched over. Like Those, according to these studies, not even studies, articles, suggest that there's chemical reactions going on, which was interesting. The idea was that you, one releases more testosterone. I hadn't heard of that. I always considered body language being more of a social aspect, less so of a biological one, but I'm not disclaiming it because body language extends not just to our limbs and our head, but also to our eyes, like we were, we were mentioning. And and if we consider your idea of, of evolutionary advantage, we'd have to consider how we've evolved. You know, our closest evolutionary state was a primate, and yet their eyes are strikingly different from ours. We have white that outlines the center of our eyes, whereas our closest cousins have dark eyes. And so there's a running theory that that's because we are such social creatures and we have evolved to constantly give feedback and receive feedback because the white of our eyes allows us to kind of see what the other person is looking at or gesturing to or not gesturing to. 
which supposedly is evolutionary advantageous. But what about you, Kip? What have been some of your more challenging body gestures, body positions that you've had to deal with? That's a very good question. I don't have a great back, for example. I have mild scoliosis, so my posture is not the best, and I've noticed myself very frequently slouching. And often it's just out of comfort. I think mm-hmm. as a matter of habit, I've become more accustomed to sort of leaning over at a slight tilt and not keeping my back fully erect. And I feel like a lot of people that I see in class or in other scenarios don't have their backs perfectly straight. And I see a lot of people slouching and I've taken it less as a sign of disinterest and more a sign of maybe discomfort or attempting to become more comfortable. And I hope that people who have seen me slouching haven't assumed that I'm not interested. I think it's more physical comfort than social discomfort that I'm trying to manifest. But it's very tricky. I will say eye contact is another tricky one because like you said, you're not supposed to maintain it for too long or to be too intense about it, but you do want to be respectful and show proper eye contact when you're speaking with someone. And I think that's kind of an unspoken rule that there isn't a distinct science or number of seconds that you're supposed to maintain eye contact. And then of course, in other scenarios, let's say romantically, eye contact is maintained for a lot longer. And I think there are other hidden social cues or signs that people don't always explain, but that everyone has some intuitive knowledge of and finds to be true on some level. I will say another part of the article about successful body language of, let's say, CEOs, which interested me, discussed anxiety and signs of impatience or other problematic things that you wouldn't want to convey to someone, Mm -hmm. such as, like you said, watching the clock, which indicates impatience and that you have other things that are better to do, folding your arms or turning away from others, sort of closing yourself off from what they have to say and who they are, but also exaggerated nodding and fidgeting with your hair, showing either an anxiety about approval of others or just in general anxiety about the situation. And I would comment on that and say that there are, of course, generally anxious people, people who are anxious in a lot of situations. And I feel like in certain scenarios, that anxiety is used against them if we read too much into their body language and presume that we know how they're feeling when maybe they're not in control of it. Mm -hmm. And I'd be curious to hear what you have to say about that because there are people who are diagnosed with some form of anxiety disorder that might not be able to maintain their body or their body postures in the same way that other people might. We're constantly taking in information and exhibiting information. We want to understand what we're interacting with, right? As soon as we can, we're trying to draw conclusions and and see patterns that make up those conclusions. But if we looked at it that way when we encounter people, it'd it'd be a bit too narrow. If we made inferences based off someone's body language, it would be too narrow. And I think you'd agree it'd just be lacking in compassion. I think we're socially conditioned to understand the meaning behind body postures, but there must be more, I think. For instance, I didn't know that you had scoliosis, and if I were to judge you based off that, just for one, it wouldn't be fair, and, and two, I'd be losing out on interaction with you based off, no, this kid isn't confident and I don't want to interact with that, for instance. Um, that would be silly, but, but I mean, some people do draw those criteria. So yeah, I think to look at it solely through body language would be a disservice to ourselves, so we need to engage people in conversation as well. And another aspect about this that intrigues me is that when I try and befriend someone personally, although I value confidence, arrogance is something that really turns me away, that I'm not interested in because I think arrogant people are harder to be around. And certainly we all need a bit of confidence, if not a healthy degree of confidence. Mm -hmm. But do you think there's any legitimacy to the idea that people might overuse positive body language and demonstrate maybe too much confidence or too much dominance or control of a situation when frankly, either it's not true or they're trying to put on a certain mask or a certain impression to convince others or persuade others to like them. Mm -hmm. 
So in terms of too much positive body language, are you referring to being extra excited with your limbs? Yeah, I would say exaggerated gestures or even someone whose body posture is so straight that they seem almost rigid and don't move all that much, seem inflexible. Or as we've mentioned a few times, eye contact that is far too direct and intense. Maybe someone who smiles more often than seems Mm -hmm. reasonable in a conversation. How would you respond to that? Yeah, that's an interesting idea. I honestly don't believe you can put off too much positive body language without it being detrimental or counterintuitive to the ideas you're trying to put off. For instance, if we consider charismatic leaders, we would find that they would score incredibly high on emotional intelligence, which includes awareness of themselves, awareness of those around them, which under that, all of that would include body language. So that being said, I think although we all identify charismatic people, charismatic leaders as being, I suppose, better than the rest, better than the group, therefore the leader of the group, there's always this hint of humanness to them, which is the bridge of connection that why we still follow these people or why we still befriend these people because there's still that element of we can connect on this level yet this person still exhibits the extra so i don't think that if you're portraying too much positive body language you you meet that criteria i think you you go beyond it so this body language business is a fine line really and like you mentioned though it's not an exact science you know you don't You don't calculate how many times you nod after every comment that's offered. You don't calculate how many seconds you look at someone in the eye. It's just a matter of existing. It's just a matter of being. So then the question for us might be, how do I improve my body language? Can I improve my body language? Do you think there's a way? I'm glad that you asked. I think like with a lot of issues or even minor annoyances that we would like to correct or fix in our lives, the first step is being very aware of the problem. Why do you feel this way? Is there actually a problem? What are you looking to achieve or accomplish? And I think with body language, being aware of your body, just being in touch with the various limbs and parts or pieces of your body, how they're behaving, why they're behaving the way they are. And also, if you agree with how your body is positioned in space, and if you think that it reflects how you're feeling, if you do believe that body language is correlated with emotions and other psychological behaviors, why your body is positioned the way it is in any given moment, and just being in a dialogue with yourself about why you're positioned that way, and maybe trying to correct some things, being aware of eye contact, let's say, on a certain day, or thinking more about posture, but also recognizing, like we've both said, it's not an exact science. I think everyone has their own body language to a degree that, much like language itself, people develop slang. And I think there are ways to adapt body language to a certain individual or to show confidence in some areas where you can't show it in others. If someone had a horrible back, for example, I think they could still manifest a lot of confidence through other body language behaviors. And I think that's a really important aspect about body language that much like other social behaviors, even if you fail in one area, you can still succeed in others and that you're not a complete failure if you can't master, let's say, one means of emoting with your body. Do you think there are ways to, let's say, improve one's body language or steps you would take? Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you, you mentioned this idea of awareness. I think that's fundamental. A lot of the psychological literature would suggest that mindfulness gives way to awareness, of course. So quick anecdote. My junior year, I took a class called health psychology with Professor White, a great lady. For the class, we had to carry out a self-behavior modification project. So you essentially became aware of something you do, you don't like, 
and want to change and you, you set out goals and then you measure how you're changing that or you set out a proposal how you will go about changing that and then you measure that and present that at the end of class. I wanted to improve my emotional intelligence. I thought it would be something that would carry over in literally every facet of my life. So I, th I found a lot of value in it. So I, I, I went about that and the way I did that based off what I encountered in the literature was becoming more mindful. So I reverted to meditation. For five plus weeks, I made I meditated in the morning, five to 10 minutes, it ranged. Um, some days it was better than others. But yeah, that was about the rule of thumb, about eight minutes of meditation, several days a week, if not every day of the week, allowed one to align themselves with their mind and body, which would then give way to this awareness, which would then give way to control or mindfulness of body language. So I do think that one can improve their body language, but I do think it's a gradual process, but one worth investing in. All very good points. So Joe Navarro of Psychology Today, in an article on the myths of body language and disproving some of them or indicating that they are mythological in some way, suggested that there's some actions that people engage in that far too many read into as body language or signs of hidden meaning or signs of deception, let's say, and then authority figures or individuals would read into that and believe that they know the truth about that person's underlying intentions or motivations. For example, in police interviews of suspects or people they believe might know something about a crime scene or other criminal activity, police have, in certain situations, relied far too heavily on body language. Scratching your eye, looking away, rubbing your nose as signs that you are trying to deceive or mislead authority figures, and they've pursued that individual in the conversation to get a confession rather than getting the truth. And I think that can be very problematic. And Joe Navarro says that some of these actions that people engage in are done to relieve stress and that both the innocent and the guilty will do that in interviews because everyone feels sort of pressure when they're one-on-one -on -one having a conversation as you and I might right now. And there's the idea that the body is aware of that tension and tries to relieve it through scratching your nose or sort of diverting some of that tension. He also says that the belief that eye contact connotes truth or lying can be a bit problematic because in his opinion Machiavellian personalities or people who are especially charismatic and might even abuse their charisma for power or control of others to manipulate make extended eye contact because they know that most people look for eye contact as a sign of confidence or that someone is telling the truth and that if people have this social understanding it can be abused by other people who know what we believe because they understand that nonverbal communication can be very powerful for some people and so they abuse that fact but in his opinion, other people don't have to try and make extended eye contact because they're not trying to convince you. They are confident that their words alone will convey either the truth or the feeling that they are trying to get across in the conversation. What do you think about some of these things? So I myself haven't looked too deeply into the psychology of criminology. However, I think your latter comments you know, suggests that we can't rely on these body language cues to convict someone of a crime. It's too narrow. And I, I guess the counterexample I would think of is Ted Bundy, as we all might know. He was one of the most infamous serial killers of the 20th century and incredibly charismatic man, incredibly intelligent, like most serial killers are. So I think it'd be safe to say that serial killers will understand what kind of body language cues to exhibit, not to exhibit, and therefore dodge a conviction if we're relying on these things. So I wouldn't suggest it. And I also want to talk about the idea that certain physical behaviors are cultural rather than socially ingrained or psychologically ingrained. For example, multiple cultures that are cited in the article, Latin America or certain African-American cultures, according to Mr. Navarro, children who are scolded by adults should avoid eye contact at all costs because it shows shame and humility. 
as opposed to meeting direct eye contact, which could be seen as a challenge of authority, which is something that's often said about dogs, for example, that you're not supposed to make lingering eye contact with a dog because they take it as a sign of aggression or of dominance, and that certain animals maybe even understand certain social cues. What do you think about the idea that certain behaviors are more culturally linked than social, and what are the implications? I would absolutely say it exists. In a similar article that I encountered, talked about violating bubble space um, as a form of exhibiting poor body language, showed a lack of respect for space and therefore the other person's being. And I think that's fair in Western societies. I do think we like our space and like knowing who's moving around in our bubble, who's not, and, and ultimately giving rights for someone to come into our space. However, I don't think it's the same for people of Eastern cultures, specifically Asian cultures, and I would say that entering someone's bubble space isn't seen as violating their person, but rather being collectivist societies, it's just part of their way of existing. So I'm hesitant on that one to, to say that violating bubble space is, is a sign of exhibiting poor body language. I think it's contingent upon the time and place that you're in and the people that you're with. So in terms of how to approach body language based off cultures, I sincerely think it requires education and not education in the textbook sense, but experience with people of those cultures, understanding what's right, what's not. And by right and wrong, I mean like socially or culturally appropriate. The way to do that is immerse yourself. Don't think there's a way around that. But I do think that we need to be mindful of the differences and the meanings behind each difference. So then as a final question to you, I would ask maybe some things you'd urge our audience to think about or consider in terms of body language. Any suggestions or things you would suggest they read or check out or even things to simply consider in daily life? People. I would say observe people. There's a running theory that claims that 7% of our communication is verbal while 38% is based on tone and 55 is body language. Considering that stat, I would suggest we all be mindful of how we're by and large communicating to people and question is that the way we want to communicate with people or to people and if the answer is no or if the answer is yeah it's fine but it could be better then I would suggest people study people observe people specifically those who you admire people that you see that they exhibit things that you want to exhibit because we are social animals like I said and 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 we learn so much just by modeling so yeah just be mindful of those that you ad you admire and aspire to be and think you'll live a, a life of good communication. I absolutely agree. I would even encourage people to meditate and really develop that relationship between the mind and the body and see how your body is behaving because I think many bodies, like many minds, are different and there isn't really one way to categorize every single one. So thinking more carefully about how you express yourself through your body. So Edgar, thank you very much for coming on. It was great to have you. Thank you, Kev. It was great being here. So to our audience, of course, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. We would love to hear your comments, your criticisms, your opinions. If you would like to reach out to us, you can do so on Twitter at Stride N Saunter. Our Facebook is Stride and Saunter. You can email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And we encourage you to check out our website, strideandsaunter.com. And as always, we thank you for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.